It's the APC Podcast from AcmePackingCompany.com and SB Nation, talking Packers all of the time. Zach Rapport here, about to throw it to Alex, Ben, and myself as ahead on the show. We are set to be joined by Joe McAtee of the Turf Show Times and Turf Show Radio Podcast, SB Nation's site covering the Los Angeles Rams. Those same undefeated Rams, wouldn't you know it, set to square up against our Green Bay Packers this weekend. Uh, We were excited to chat with Joe, who, in an era of social media hot takery and chest puffing, is, I think, super well-grounded, thanks to a lifetime of watching mostly bad Rams football teams in L.A. uh, and then to St. Louis and and now back out on the West Coast. He is a lifer, so to speak. If this is the first episode you're hearing this week, it means that you missed one. So don't forget to uh, go back and check out Tuesday night's show as well where we ponder, if you had a magic wand, what one problem plaguing the Packers would you magically fix uh, during the bye week? What Packers Patronus, so to speak, would you call upon? We ran a poll at the APC pod on Twitter, had some fun with the responses there, and used those for a spirited discussion about curing what ails this year's Packers team, so uh, be sure to check that out. Uh, One last note here before we preview Rams, Packers, We've had some developments behind the scenes here at the APC pod. All good stuff, I promise. Uh, But one of the unintended side effects is that our once mighty iTunes listing has had its reviews mysteriously vanish. True story. So I know you're tired of hearing me say it, but uh, please leave us a rating if you haven't done so already. And if you have, maybe you could uh, do it uh, again, please. Pretty please with the spotted cow on top. It helps make the show more visible for new listeners, more folks, more fun, more football, blah, 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 all good things. Please and thank you. All right, that's enough begging from yours truly. Now let's throw it over to Alex, Ben, and myself set to preview Rams Packers with Joe McAtee of the Turf Show Times. The number you dialed is Packing Company. We're back. APC Podcast, Alex Patakis, Zach Rapport, Ben Foldy. I always do it in a different order every time I uh, say who's on the uh, show. Mixing it up. To talk more about a matchup this Sunday with the unbeaten Los Angeles Rams, and we do so with Joe McAtee of Turf Show Times and Turf Show Radio, fellow SB Nation-er. You can follow Joe on Twitter, 3K underscore. Follow Turf Show Times for the latest with the uh, with the site. So the Rams opened this game as eight and a half point favorites. That's the largest um, point spread with Aaron Rodgers as an underdog in his career, Joe. Uh, did you feel like that was surprising at all? Or you feel like that's pretty accurate based on what you know about your team and what you might have seen about ours? Guys, we're, we're in the end days. This is quite clearly the sign of the apocalypse. The Rams... <laughs> The Rams, the Rams are favored to beat the Packers by this much. Um, I, I don't think the line's unfair. It's probably accurate. I think the difficulty is just getting wrapping my head around this and uh, treating it the way it deserves to be treated as a rational, you know, a predictable outcome. I think that's just weird in and of itself. But uh, I guess coming out of the bye week, you guys would know more about Aaron Rodgers' status. I saw that. Did he have an MRI or they, they didn't have one? 
like a new MRI? Yeah, no. I don't. I didn't nope. see anything about that. Nope. He's okay. just casually on the mend. Yeah. Casually on the mend. Eh? <laughs> That's good enough for Aaron Rodgers. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those things where I think it's strange. I never would have predicted that we'd be here, but here we are. You sound like a, a well-reasoned fan who has watched some bad Rams football during your lifetime. Oh, son, as, as there was any other kind. We're talking about the Rams. <laughs> 14 years of losing. You guys have never done As a franchise, have you guys ever had 14 years where you lost? Oh, my dad would frequently regale me with tales of the 30 years of darkness. Yeah, the 70s yeah. and 80s were not pretty. Yeah, bad. As, as a millennial Packers fan, yeah, I've, most of us, I've we're, never we're pretty really, I've never really had to deal with the Packers being But yeah, the, the elders sometimes will, you know, gather around the smartphone children and let yeah. me tell you about uh, the dark days so of the 70s and 80s. <laughs> you go back with the Rams, obviously, to St. Louis, where there was some good times, um, but and you follow them to L.A., right? You're, are, are you L.A.-based? Because we saw your number is not a California number. No, my number's DC-based. I'm old enough to have been an L.A. fan before they were even in St. Louis. Wow. And, yeah, I stuck with the town. So I was born in L.A. long ago, long <laughs> with the elders, um, and followed the team to St. Louis and back. So it's been an interesting saga. What, what's strange about it is you've got a period of dark days, right, before the greatest show on turf. Mm -hmm. Then you had this awesome mini dynasty followed by more dark days and now just this huge pendulum swing into the Sean McVay era. It's been really strange to see how that's worked in the uh, social media era. Yeah, and it's a lot of the same people. I mean, like, personnel-wise, I mean, really the only, like, I mean, I think that the Rams made a big push in free agency this year, obviously, in trades. But, um, you know, the pieces were there under Jeff Fisher by all accounts, right? That's the sad thing. It's, it's, it's hard not to go in on Jeff Fisher every time his, his name's mentioned, but you know, the, the bottom line is he was handed a core of guys that are kind of still in the NFL. Um, and you know, it's not like Sam Bradford's an MVP or anything, but Brock Osweiler took a team to the playoffs. Rex Grossman went to the Super Bowl. Jeff Fisher had the personnel that he needed to win. He just didn't put it together. And when Sean McVay got handed that with some of the personnel changes they've made the last two years, obviously they're in a pretty special place. And Johnny Hacker. <laughs> Johnny, any anytime you're talking about a punter, you know he's got to be pretty special. Yeah, you know, I just we, remember. We I relate. think the first year in LA, I think wasn't it that that the the Rams kind of built their marketing campaign around Johnny Hecker. It's like come <laughs> out and watch Johnny Hecker, and you're just like, oh my god. <laughs> Punters need billboards too. <laughs> now, Joe, we spent uh, our episode earlier in the week, kind of basically just arriving at the point that most spoiled Packers fans, myself included, just. We don't know what we want from McCarthy. Just we want him to be like Sean McVay. Like just be like that guy. Um, so I wonder, like, as as you watch this team and you watch most of the league basically just praise McVay and what a genius he is, what do the Rams not do that you kind of wish they did? Hire him earlier. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I think the biggest thing that's strange about Sean McVay and maybe what I wish they had done differently is, you know, he's so young and so inexperienced. I think that's maybe more impressive that he's doing the right thing. Cause when you've got a coach that's doing the right things, a lot of the time it's okay. You can see how this happened because they learned here and they failed over here to get to this place. Somebody like Bill Belichick, right. That had to fail with the Browns and had this coaching career where he came up and learned how to do things. And it's not surprised that he's successful. Sean McVay was a coach for six years. He was a tight ends coach. He was an offensive coordinator for three years and didn't even get to play call for one of them. And now he's, you know, people are acting and maybe not irrationally so as if he's the best coach in the NFL. So I guess the thing that I wish they could have done differently is find a way to take what he's doing and have it rub off on people before he got here. It's not as if he's doing 
anything that's all that new or spectacular. He's just kind of dumbing things down, and it's made it really simple. And he's got a great coaching staff, guys like Aubrey Pleasant, who's our secondary coach, Wade Phillips, defensive coordinator, Aaron Cromer, the offensive line. By all accounts, those guys are headed, besides Wade Phillips because of his age, those guys are all headed on to major promotions elsewhere. And it's one of those things where you look at it, it's almost like half-baked, that classic film in American cinema, (laughs) where the guys go and present Harlan Williams in jail with their plan, and he's like, yeah, go do it. Why are you here? Go do that now. And it's one of those things where you look at the Rams and you wonder, why didn't they do that until now? Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering too, like, is it the, the beauty of McVay? Is it strictly like just that he's a better X's and O's coach you think, or like, is there anything to the age? I'm just wondering, like, is there ever going to be a swing in the NFL now where it's just like these young guys who are basically peers with players are going to get hired because I don't know. It's so hard to not think about him and think about the fact that there like are guys in this league older than him kicking field goals and stuff like that. Well, his starting left tackle is older than him, Andrew Whitworth. <laughs> Damn, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, he's only he's only 30, right? Did no, he's like 33. Uh, yeah, I think he's he might be 33. He's younger than me, which is one of those things where it's like, ugh. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, th- I think the biggest thing that he's been able to do is handle the external stuff, which is what Jeff Fisher always struggled with. Right. Because he was always just kind of making excuses and he got the media to play along with it, which showed you kind of the fallibility of the media and, and you know, the NFL media specifically. Mm. What McVeigh has been able to do is exploit that and push all the praise onto his coaching staff, onto his players and take responsibility for the shortcomings. So even the last two weeks, the Rams have had some struggles in the red zone, and he takes all the blame for that, and he talks about the specifics of what he wants to do without kind of divert, divulging any of the you know secrets from within the locker room, what he wants to try to do. But he's just kind of open about it and more honest about it in a way than previous coaches were, and he's not taking the praise. He's deflecting that onto the team, and it's uh, – you know, it's another reflection of the maturity that he's got as a head coach and the fact that as young as he is, he seems like he's more than prepared for this. And that must insulate Goff quite a bit too, right? I mean, we've how many young quarterbacks have we seen come into the league, have a sure. real struggle at the beginning of their career, and then the team either moves on way too fast or just kind of like never puts them in a position to succeed? I mean, granted, Goff has a pretty amazing arsenal of weapons at his disposal right, right now. But, I mean, it, it does seem mentally that... that, that he just is on a whole nother level with um, a system, you know, catered to him and that really lets him do what he's good at and avoid what he's bad at. Is that, is that that sense that you get watching them every week? Yeah, to a degree. I mean, that was definitely the case early on last year. I think to this point, he's starting to take on more individual responsibility. If you watch the Thursday night football game against the Minnesota Vikings who Mm -hmm. have a really, really good defense, he was making plays on his own that had nothing to do with, the play design. Mm-hmm. It didn't have to do anything with the talent. The, the best throw of his career was a 30-something yard strike that he threw to Cooper Cup on the roll, off his back foot. The kind of thing that you guys have been accustomed to seeing Aaron Rodgers do frequently that we have not been accustomed to seeing from Rams quarterbacks. Mm. Uh, and, and to make that kind of a throw where it's completely on the quarterback and has nothing to do with McVay and has nothing to do with Cooper Cup. There was no window. He wasn't even open. And he was able to throw that on the move off his back foot. And you see that it's almost one, you know, one of those guys in the NBA shoots a three and you're like, no, 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 no. And then when it goes in, you're like, yeah, no, good decision. (laughs) Great idea. That's the kind of Jared Goff that we're starting to see this year in spurts that we've never seen before. So he definitely has a system that's catered to him and he's got the support system in terms of personnel. 
but he's elevated his game in a way this year that we've never seen before. So it's pretty clear that you're 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 riding this high pretty well. If if we had to knock you off it somehow, how would we do that? I mean, like, like if you're attacking the Rams, how do you attack the Rams? Uh, first is going to be the run. If, if, if when you got the ball, is to figure out a way. We've had uh, some issues with run defense going back to last year, and even in the playoff game against Atlanta, that's kind of what undid us, along with two random punt fumbles. Um, but that's, you know, an anomaly that just doesn't happen. And it just so happened that it was in the playoff game, but the run defense has been an issue for the Rams uh, first and foremost. And then if you're talking about what to do when we have the ball, it's gotta be pass rush. Cause you know, Goff's not a very mobile guy. And if you can flush him out, he's not, I mean, the, the way that people talk about Pat Mahomes and the things he does on the fly, improvising and Russell Wilson and those kind of quarterbacks, that's just not the guy that Jerry Goff is. Mm. And so if, if, if you can get him out of the play design, that you got a much better chance of you know being able to stop the Rams' offense than just trying conventional defense. All we got to do is get send Kyler Fackrell to the house. Oh God! <laughs> all you got to all you got to do is deal with the NFL's best offensive line through seven games. It's that easy. Yeah. I got some good news for you. If pass rush is what's going to knock this offense off the tracks, uh, it's not going to happen. We just spent our last episode. You don't need to worry at length about how the only fix that any of us would choose if we could fix anything is just give us some semblance of a pass rush because. Uh, the Packers don't have that. They've got no edge presence right now. And a once dominant interior defensive line has even been less than. Uh, they've been fine. They've been fine. All right. They wow. eat up it's a lot like of I'm double attacking teams. your actual. No, 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 no. I just, mean, I, I was, I was uh, feeling, you know, I, I think they've, they've not been bad. They've just been fine. All right. You guys sound like, sound like the dog when everything's burning them around and everything is fine. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> I, I am not convinced that the Packers' house is on fire. And I, and I think, I actually think, so if the Packers come out of this game, Beating the spread, <laughs> I remain convinced that the house is not on fire. <laughs> Fair if, enough. If they don't cover a nine, what do you do about them point? not covering against the Niners? Though I guess that was just a ridiculously high point spread anyway. Yeah, but the Rams not, covered it barely, barely, and they barely <laughs> beat the the Seahawks. Yeah, going back to what you said about the running game, that's interesting. You bring that up, Joe, because Mike McCarthy spent his uh, Tuesday presser, no, his Monday presser. I think he said it yesterday. Um, talking about how the Packers, uh, one thing they need to fix the second half of this season is the rushing attempts and that they need to run the ball more. Now, for some Packers fans, that's like, no, we don't. The ball needs to be in Aaron Rodgers' hands. But maybe he was just watching a bunch of Rams films thinking that that's maybe one of the places that they might actually be able to attack them. It kind of seems that way now. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's one of those things where you look at what the strengths are of the Rams' defense. Obviously, when you got Michael Brockers, Aaron Donald, and Indomitian Sue you're going to get good interior defensive line play, both in the run and the pass. Aaron Donald had four sacks on Sunday. He looked like Aaron Donald. Um, and the other two guys are just uh, almost as good. Um, they're really, really special for what they do. The problem for the Rams has been the level behind them. We mm. haven't had good linebacker play in a generation. Uh, and they retooled things. So last year, you had Connor Barwin and Robert Quinn on the outside. Wade Phillips runs a 3-4. Inside linebackers were Alec Ogletree and Mark Barron. Well, three of the four are gone. They moved on from them. They're trying some of the younger guys, guys like Corey Littleton. Uh, on the outside, you got Samson Abukum and Matt Longacre. So they're giving younger guys a chance to step up. They just haven't been anywhere near as consistent as maybe Rams fans would like. But it's one of those, you know, first-world problems because you've got such a strong secondary and a ridiculous defensive front. Of course, the linebackers are going to look lesser by comparison, but it is something that teams have been able to exploit, and I wouldn't be surprised if you guys do too. Are we? Um, I know that Akeem Talib, if I'm not mistaken, missed last Sunday's game, right? Yep. 
still on injured reserve, so he'll be out through the bye week at the earliest. Yeah, so he'll be out for a couple more. Oh, he's out for a while. And and Peters is back though. Peters is back, right? Peters is back, but he hasn't been a hundred percent. I think the Rams were pretty lucky that they didn't go after him this last week because the two weeks prior. He didn't look great. And, you know, you credit a guy for battling through an injury, but it's one of those things where you wonder if maybe he needed to take a week off to really get right. But at least for last week, they didn't really go at him. They tried to go after Troy Hill, who's filling in for a keep to leave, and Hill was more than up to the task. He had an interception and then had to leave late with a concussion and brought on somebody you guys know well, yeah, Sam that's, Shields. that's what I was getting at. Oh, so, like, Sam. is Sam Shields – I mean, I only really see Rams football on red zone. They're on it a lot because sure. they're always scoring. Is Sam Shields right. playing for, for the Rams? A little bit. I saw him get an interception, I think, or maybe nah, a drop. He got an interception a couple weeks ago, yeah. and he's been in the rotation, but he hasn't had a ton of playing time to necessarily stand out. And a lot of the – like what I was talking about, because you've got all this strength around them, teams are finding it really hard to go after guys. If you're talking about attacking somebody like Sam Shields deep, you got to have time to do that, and Aaron Donald makes that really hard. So he hasn't looked bad by any means, but you're talking about the fifth cornerback on our depth chart. He just hasn't had a lot of opportunity. So if you had to, if you were, you know, God forbid, a, a defensive coordinator facing the Rams, would you stack the box against Gurley? Because, I mean, one of the stats that keeps uh, coming up is Gurley, you know, running on, I think, like the third or fourth lowest percentage of eight-man boxes this season. And... At what point is it worth selling out the pass to stop Gurley? And when does that cross over into, you know, Brandon Cooks is going to eat you alive? Yeah, this is the problem, right? And why the Rams have such a deadly offense is that no matter what you try to do, the Rams have an, an answer for it. Uh, if you try to blitz too much, the Rams have the best screen game in the NFL. You mm-hmm. give it to Dog Gurley on the outside in space and you get Andrew Whitworth or Roger Saffold blocking in front of him and that chops teams down. If you stack the box, they got, Cooper Cup and Brandon Cooks and obviously Todd Gurley on wheel routes and up the seam and things like that. If you try to play more conventional and just drop people into coverage, they can do everything underneath. So the, 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 the thing is, there's not a great answer. And that's why teams are struggling to try to defend them is because they do so many things well. So is the answer to just outscore them? Is that the only... <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that seems to be the answer for any of the, the big... You know, teams that are really running rough shot over the NFL yeah. right now is like, it's just, you got to win in a shootout or you're not going to win. And it was cool. I mean, the Chargers and Vikings games were just that. They were really close and uh, the Rams were able to just hold on to the lead, but it was because of their offense, not because of the defense. I think you're right, though. That's kind of where the NFL's headed. And maybe that's why the Rams are atop the power rankings is they're just better suited for this environment than a lot of teams are. Yeah, I mean, I think and in some ways it seems defensively the Rams have taken a step back this season. Would you agree Overall, with that? Yeah, overall, I'd say maybe. I think that they're still adjusting to some things, and you've got guys stepping up. You know, when you lose a key to lead, that obviously hurt, and yeah. they don't have talent from the linebackers. But the the thing is, I think they're they're getting better in spots. Uh, the run defense looked better two weeks ago, and that, that's something they've been vocal about. And Dominican Sue was in Dominican Sue about it, where you get kind of scared and you're worried that he's going to eat reporters alive from talking about it. But he was mentioning the idea of run defense and. You had Marcus Peters talk about the things he has to do better. So it's clear that, that the defense is not where we'd want it to be and certainly a step behind the offense. But it's not like it's a bad defense. No, no, no. I didn't mean that. I just, But I, yeah. I, I, last year I really thought of the Rams as kind of a punishing defense. And this year yeah. I don't have that, so, I don't have that right. sense so much. I mean, I guess also they're on the field more because your offense is scoring so much. But maybe. And you coming out of the Jeff Fisher era, that was kind of the identity, right? Was this physical punishing, bordering on dirty defense with Greg Williams as the defensive coordinator. So yeah. I think maybe more than anything, it's just kind of a personality identity shift. And yeah, they're not looked at that way. And for good reason. 
I think, yeah, I think the Packers' defensive DVOA is better than the Rams this season. I think they're, like, almost exactly the same. They're very close. Anyway, before we get to, I guess, just kind of, like, predicting what will happen in this game, what is, like, your overall perception of the Packers? Are you, like many people around the league, pointing and laughing that they have a generational quarterback, one of the best to ever do it, and they still just can't seem to put the right pieces around him? Or are they a team that you think, like, hey, you know what? Maybe people are too hard on them, and they are still a contender this year. Well, I think the thing that I'd look at as an outsider is the time that you guys didn't have Aaron Rodgers last year and, and, and what that meant for the Fair. rest of the team. And, you know, it, it, it's not that you guys are a bad team. And you look at any team that loses their quarterback, look at the 49ers, right? They went from a team that didn't win a single game last year to winning every game with Jimmy Garoppolo, which we treat him like old Voldemort. We don't say his name over at Church of <laughs> It's one of those things where you can see that teams rely on their quarterback. And good Lord, if the Rams had to go to Sean Mannion, there's no way we'd be talking about this offense in the same way that we are right now. Um, So I I think it's difficult for, especially when you don't have what the Rams have in Jared Goff, which is a quarterback on his rookie contract. You guys have to pay Aaron Rodgers like Aaron Rodgers. We're not paying Jared Goff like Jared Goff. He's going to get a $20 million, $25 million raise in three years. And so that affords us a lot of flexibility that we've been able to put into guys like Indomitian Sue and, you know, look forward to other contracts and do redo Aaron Donald's deal. It's just hard to put complete teams together. And I think the Rams are relatively unique in that area for you guys. I think the thing you'd look at is regardless of how you guys are playing, I'd say this, when it gets into December, January, I don't want to play the Packers. I'd much rather play all these other teams. Cause I know even if they're playing better football, it's Aaron Rodgers, man. And he's got that mystique. You guys have that thing where it's the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. And I just don't want to face that when it matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, I I don't want to be relying on that. Like, oh, uh, you know, they're much better than us, but we've got that mystique and, the, and we got Aaron Rodgers. But uh, I mean, when you say it like that, I mean, he does know how to pull off uh, some pretty miraculous uh, stuff. We've he, seen it many he times. He gets angry when he gets into God mode. It's yeah. Pretty intense. He like, has a God mode, yeah. right? That's the whole point. Yeah, and we saw it against the Niners when I thought we might actually get to see... Uh, Jared Goff does Deshaun not yet Kaiser have a God scene. mode. No, not no, yet. No, Jared Goff has a dog mode. He has a, <laughs> <quite> <laughs> well, good job on them just going out and spending, man, in the in their window that they have because those windows close quick. Um, we, know, we know all about windows. Yeah, th- th- that's going to be fun to see is, you know, the, the new stadium's opening in 2020. You got the end of the collective bargaining agreement and the fifth-year option for Jared Goff. They've got this little two, three year window where everything is set up to be really successful. How they start building for the transition out of that is going to be fascinating because the last time we were good, we completely botched it. And the greatest show on turf turned into uh, just a big bag of dirt. Joe McAtee of Turf Show Times. You can follow Turf Show Times on Twitter at Turf Show Times. Follow Joe on Twitter at 3K underscore and listen to the Turf Show Radio podcast where he's talking plenty more Rams there. Uh, all right, so what happens Sunday? Uh, let's pick against the spread if we, uh, if we have to do that. Eight and a half in the Rams' favor. What do you think? I'll take the Packers. I think it's going to be what we talked about, a shootout. I think there's going to be a lot of points. I'm taking the over. What was the over under, like 59 or something? Uh, I got to check, actually. I'm sure it's, yeah, it's got to be something like that. Yeah, if they, It was they, under 60, so I'm taking the over. I think one of these two teams is going to score 40 points, so I, I think it's going to be closer than that. Uh, but I just, it's one of these games that I think it's going to be a ton of points. Yeah. Uh, I would pick the Packers against the spread with the Rams to still win. Uh, that's too many points. I said that with the Packers being favored against the Niners. I just think in this league, 
Um, it's way too many, especially with Rodgers. And I think coming off of the bye, I mean, I, I think this will be one of those games where McCarthy really um, kind of throws everything at the Rams in an effort to try and keep up. So I would take the Packers to cover that as well. I think we're unanimous here. I think what'll be, what I, what I like is the juxtaposition between you guys and, and us because what, what we talk about with the God mode and the, the, the kind of mystique that Aaron Rodgers has, it's because he's done all these things in the fourth quarter and late in games and late, you know, the last possession. Jared Goff has never done that once. And it's a, a lot of it is because he hasn't had the opportunity. When you're winning 39 to 10, you don't get game-winning drives. <laughs> Let but, me, you, you're saying the same thing that we had to say about Aaron Rodgers for four or five years. Yeah, so you'll, you'll, you'll get there in five or six years. You'll be, you'll be like, why does everybody think Jared Goff still isn't clutch? Because he never has these opportunities, and it'll come. And that's the thing that's, that's interesting about a game like this is maybe this is the game where he gets that opportunity. And we'll see. We'll see. Maybe this is the time where he, where you know, you're talking about a first for him winning a game late. But uh, I could totally see that where this is the kind of game with that opportunity and the irony of it being against the Packers. Yeah. Well, the Packers really struggle against like the obvious. I feel like it's always the guy you would expect to eat them up that is just putting up huge numbers. So Todd Gurley, have a day, my friend. <laughs> All right, Joe. We really appreciate the time. Looking forward to uh, to the test, at least for the Packers on uh, on Sunday. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Anytime, guys. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.